<laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. The clock is ticking, tick tock. What's the time, Mr. Clark? Little hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. This is Gary. Gary Hoffman. This is Gary, and he's very, very famous on Twitter. Shannon Farron. <laughs> it's terrible! She has beautiful eyes, and her hair smells like cinnamon! Mm-hmm. Gary and Shannon. I wouldn't be anywhere else at this hour, except on this. We keep on running, running through a red light, like we shot a bug at night. Shannon, day before the election, November 5th, Monday, a lot of talk about a blue wave taking control of the House tomorrow in the midterms. If you want to trust polls, the president imploring his supporters to vote tomorrow, saying the media is going to treat the midterms as a referendum on his presidency, telling supporters that even though he's not on the ballot, in a certain way, I am on the ballot. It's he's not are, wrong. Midterms are always a referendum on the on the president. That's just the way it goes. Depending upon who's on the in the White House, usually the House will go the other way. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It would be. Um, I, I don't think anyone would be surprised if Democrats um, take the majority in the House. Although I think they have to. What is it? Twenty three seats, something like yes. that, to to take the majority. I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to gain seats clearly, but I don't know if they're going to get the majority. They're um, favored uh, to win eighteen Republican seats. Okay, but listen, here's where here's where mm-hmm. I'm confused. We've done this before. We had this conversation a couple of times last week about the polls, and one of the things that we saw going into the 2016 presidential election was the use of nationwide polls. People from ABC or Gallup or Washington Post, whoever was paying for these polls, would call, pick your number, 2,000 people around the country, uh, just random people around the country, and ask them, who are you going to vote for? And uh, Hillary Clinton was the one that came up, and they had her winning by 3, 4, 5%, right? Well, she did win the popular vote, which is all that was a referendum on. That's all the poll was doing. They weren't going individually by congressional district, which is technically how we vote for president. So when when I've been seeing these polls all weekend, uh, well, the national sentiment sentiment is that Democrats lead the general poll by 10 or 12 or 8 percent, whatever it is. But that's not how we vote. We don't vote nationwide for one congressional district. And I'm I, I assume it's probably a monetary thing. You can't go through and poll 435 congressional districts. It's just it's just cost prohibitive. 
But to do the general thing, well, I would vote generally for a Democrat over a Republican, doesn't necessarily seal the deal. That's where you get the poll breakdowns. Uh, Yeah, Democrats need to gain 23 seats. Like I said, they're favored to win 18 Republican seats. The Republicans are favored to win two Democratic seats. So crunching the numbers there, that means the Democrats would need to win seven of the 30 seats that the Cook political report rates as toss-ups. That's a lot of toss-ups. Yeah. It's a lot of uncertainty. It's, this is probably um, one of the more uncertain elections, especially midterms, that I think we've seen in a long time where there have been that many that are uncertain, that are toss-ups, that are uh, that could go one way or the other. And if you spent I, – I had an extra hour yesterday. It's a weird thing we do in my house where we turn the clocks back. Uh, I had an extra hour to go through – like realclearpolitics.com. They have polls from all over the country. And to read some of these things, there is a lot of people are losing their minds over this, about this is the most important, this is the craziest, like this is the, if if things go wrong, whichever side you're on, if things go wrong tomorrow, this whole place is going to burn. Your life depends on it <laughs> right. is the phrase I keep seeing. It's frustrating because I think about if you are that... If you are that um, enamored with politics and political life and political personalities, you need to get a job. Well, you here's need to the problem, I life. think, with that way of thinking. It's the same way of thinking that the Democrats had in 2016, where they're forgetting the people whose life depends on, I don't know, making ends meet, putting food on the table for their kids. That's what their life depends on. Right. It doesn't depend on... Katie Hill winning Santa Clarita. You know what I mean? That's a luxury for a lot of people to to be that into the politics of this country that their life depends on it. At times, it becomes a my team against your team thing, and it becomes sort of a sports enthusiasm. We've all had our favorite sports teams either win big or lose big, and we feel crushed by it. But we always are optimistic. Next time, the next time we come around, first Tuesday in November, man, this is my team. We're going to win. Nick Mullins is going to lead us to the playoffs. <laughs> Nick Mullins is going to start. Anyway, That the <laughs> but but you get into this mentality where right. it's your team against the other it's team. It's the echo chamber that you refer to, too. Right. And you just you forget that it doesn't matter whether or not the 49ers win the Super Bowl does not change what you're doing on Saturday. Or the next Tuesday. Or the relationship with your husband. Or, (laughs) but I mean, these things, if you allow them to impact your life on a regular basis like this, yes, you will get sucked into this vortex of the only thing that matters is politics. That is not all that matters in this world. The, The idea of midterms being necessary, being important, is not new. I mean, if you go back, um, 82... 82, the election in the midterms was all about the economy. Unemployment was at like 10%. Uh, Reagan was not doing a great job, at least according to a lot of people. Petaluma was suffering through the great flood. Oh, my gosh. It's exactly true. Now, Democrats pick up two dozen seats in the House in 82 because of the bad economy. In 94, you have Bill Clinton... Fighting off of uh, fighting off these corruption scandals, and everybody knows, forty years of Democratic rule in the House, led by Newt Gingrich, uh, Republicans came in and t- took over with this new contract for America. Two thousand six, you have George W. Bush, who 
a few years before that had unequal popularity in terms of uh, job satisfaction as his for him being president, partly because of the way he reacted to and the way we as a country reacted to the September 11th attacks. But in 2006, people started getting tired of the fact that we're still at yeah. war. Nothing had changed. This is how it goes. And, and this is, and this is the, that's the thing. Uh, four years after that, in 2010, the midterm election, that was a referendum on Barack Obama. How come the economy's not recovering as fast as we thought it should? Now, this, this time is interesting because you have an economy that is firing on all cylinders. Yes, but there's argument as to who to thank for that, whether it's this administration or the last. And there always will be that argument. Right, exactly. But that's the thing. Here's the thing. I think the takeaway is what's what's old is new again. We're going to see this happen time and time again. This election, is it more important than all of the other ones you just referenced? Because people are selling it as. But this time, this time our life depends on it. Even though in 1982 they said the same thing. And in 2006, they said the same thing. And I'm – everyone should vote. Absolutely. If you're you're capable of it, if you're qualified to do it – may I shouldn't even say that. Uh, If you can read, if you are legally allowed to vote, you should vote. And anybody who doesn't, you're doing a disservice to yourself. I read something over the weekend about this resistance uh, to vote, that it's like a stand to not vote. Because people are just sick of this political atmosphere. I wonder if that's the, a thing. Maybe later in the show we'll ask that question. Okay. If people will vote or not vote. Like, if you're not voting, why Why do you not vote? Perfect. I can understand in certain races. Uh, I didn't vote for senator this year. I didn't vote between Kevin DeLeon and Dianne Feinstein. There's no choice. What am I going to do for that? I mean, what? Th- there's no winning vote for me in my mind in that race. So I just didn't vote. I think my wife even wrote the word no. (laughs) They may have disqualified her ballot because of that. All right. Coming up next, we finally heard over the weekend from that Jewish nurse who treated the shooter at the the synagogue in Pittsburgh. And uh, his remarks were quite surprising, in my opinion. We'll talk about it when we come back. Also, your chance at $1,000 right now. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's WIN to 200-200. If you win, they will call you before the top of the hour, but you got to answer that phone. And if you don't win, there's another chance sometime between 11.05 and 11.20. In fact, we're giving it away once an hour right here on KFI and over the weekends as well. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon. Monday, November 5th, tomorrow, Election Day. Of course, modified schedule for our shows tomorrow. Um, Handle is regular time, 6 to 10. We're regular time, 10 to 2. And then Mo Kelly and John Thomas come in from 2 to 4. Uh, and they'll go over a bunch of politics, some of the early returns, if we get any, from the East Coast by then. But John and Ken are going to have sort of the prime time between 4 o'clock and 9 o'clock tomorrow. And then Conway, 9 to midnight, to wrap up all of our stuff and, of course, go through all of our local races when we get uh, information on those. Well, for many days following the massacre at the synagogue in Pittsburgh, he was known only as the Jewish nurse, the person 
who treated Robert Bowers, the shooter, the guy who, uh, as he was wheeled into the emergency room at Allegheny General, yelled death to all Jews. Well, now we know who the Jewish nurse is. His name is Ari. He came forward for the first time over the weekend to tell his story in a social media post on Facebook. Yeah, and it's it reads incredibly. I mean, if to go through what this this nurse went through, he says, I am the Jewish nurse. Yes, that Jewish nurse, the same one that people are talking about in the Pittsburgh shooting that left 11 dead, the trauma nurse in the ER that cared for Robert Bowers who yelled death to all Jews as he was wheeled into the hospital, the Jewish nurse who ran into a room to save his life. Uh, and he talks about he was not surprised by the fact that this shooting took place, that as a kid he would experience anti-Semitism a lot, and that it was a kid he was always labeled the Jewish whatever, the Jewish teammate, the Jewish soccer player, the Jewish anything, uh, and he said it undoubtedly had derogatory connotations attached to it. He says that he's watched uh, everyone talk about him since talked about him on CNN, Fox News, Anderson Cooper, PBS, local news stations. He's read articles mentioning him in the New York Times, the Washington Post. He says, the fact that I did my job, a job which requires compassion and empathy over everything, is newsworthy to people because I'm Jewish, even more so because my dad's a rabbi. And he says this, to be honest, I didn't see evil when I looked into Robert Bauer's eyes. I saw something else. I can't go into details of our interactions because of HIPAA. I can tell you that as his nurse or anyone's nurse, my care is given through kindness. My actions are measured with empathy. And regardless of the person you may be with when you're not in my care, each breath you take is more beautiful than the last when you're lying on my stretcher. This was the same with Robert Bowers. He says... The Robert Bowers who instilled panic in my heart, worrying my parents were two of his 11 victims less than an hour before his arrival. Uh, he says, I am sure he had no idea I was Jewish. Why thank a Jewish nurse when 15 minutes beforehand you would shoot me in the head with no remorse? I didn't say a word to him about my religion. I chose not to say anything to them the entire time. I wanted him to feel compassion. I chose to show him empathy. I felt the best way to honor his victims was for a Jew to prove him wrong. Because if he finds out I'm Jewish, does it really matter? He says, love. That's why I did it. Love as an action is more powerful than words. And love in the face of evil gives others hope. It demonstrates humanity. It reaffirms why we're all here. But you know what? I think that he's right. Uh, Just because he's Jewish doesn't mean he stops being a nurse, and that's what nurses do. They they show compassion to everyone. That's their their oath or whatever that they that they take. They, that's what that's what they do. Yeah, and I, I I still think the amount of strength it takes to know. I mean, it, like he said, if if he really was one of the people who thought, wait a minute, the, that's the synagogue my parents go to or my parents belong to. Yeah. If he was really gripped, you know, gripped with the fear that maybe his parents were two of the people uh, who were killed or hurt, and then a few minutes later he turns around and he's got to treat the guy who created this this horror not too far away from the hospital, that just takes a certain amount of, uh, of I don't know what the word, I don't even know what the strength, it, it, but to me it's beyond that. It's beyond the strength that it would take to do that, to, to push down your fear, go straight 
directly to your training, save the guy's life, or at least, you know, fix him up, and not be as... Angry. Yeah. Not be angry about it. All right. Coming up next. Oh, man. We got a couple kids over the weekend that are psychopaths. Murderous psychopath killers. And they're 15 or younger. That's a terrifying thing. Isn't it? All right. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. At uh, 1230, we're going to get pretty deep into uh, what we expect in the midterms tomorrow. Uh, the president has uh, got, I think, two more campaign stops tonight. Uh, he's on his way right now, as a matter of fact, made some comments. We'll hear what he said, specifically about his uh, upcoming meeting, his upcoming potential meeting with Vladimir Putin. Also, there was a, there's going to be a weather issue tomorrow, late tonight. There's going to be a bunch of storms in uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas. And they are expected to die down a bit tomorrow, or a Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday morning. But they're saying that there could still be tornado warnings up and down the East Coast tomorrow as this storm front moves through. This just crossing the wire, and I'll mention it because you just mentioned it. The president's saying he, he probably won't meet with Putin in Paris, but will meet with him at the G20 in Argentina. Okay. So there you have it. Well, this is a disturbing story that I read a couple of times and didn't quite wrap my head around. A 15-year-old kid is accused of killing his mother shortly after midnight Friday. Apparently, he had just gotten a bad report card. And they say he murdered mom, Gail, in her own bed at the family home then enlisted two of his friends to help stage a burglary and called 911 to report his mother missing. Yeah, so Friday they get into a fight because he gets a D in some class at school and calls dad. Dad is away on business. You wait till your father gets home. And then she goes to bed. Well... That was probably not the greatest idea, but I don't know why she would ever assume that, that her, her son, son was going to kill her. Kill her? Of course not. Ninety minutes later, he creeps into the bedroom and tries to strangle her. This is about twelve thirty in the morning. She wakes up and fights back. She's scratching his face. She's trying to throw him off, but he's a big kid and he overpowers her and continues to. St- he strangled her for a half an hour. So, time of death is one a.m. Like I said, after the killing, he invites his school friends over, both 17 years old, to stage that burglary. The three kick in a door. They remove items like a computer, a rifle, a PlayStation. And then they go further. They level up. They drive to a nearby church and they bury mom's body underneath a fire pit. The boys apparently chose the pit because the soil was loose and could easily be dug up. They only buried it eight inches deep. The uh, Volusia County Sheriff here said that Gregory Ramos then placed what he called a Grammy-winning 911 call to report the burglary. And he was using 
information from a class he took at criminal uh, in criminal justice at his high school, knowing that the best way to tell a lie is to include a little bit of truth. So he was flavoring all of his story with a little bit of truth in it so that the lies would be that much more impactful. And he said that mom was missing, that there was a van with an engine running sitting in his driveway. The detectives suspected the story from the start, though, and bring in the son for questioning right away. No remorse, a soulless individual. The sheriff saying that he is among the top three sociopaths he's ever encountered, again, at 15 years old. He said he was very proud of his work. He wanted to show it off eventually. To watch how cold and callous he was when talking about it was the most shocking thing to me. I, I, and you can almost see how this interrogation went down. Like, oh, that's pretty impressive. You did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. I've, in all my years of law enforcement, this is the best work I've ever seen done. You're a genius. You know, you can almost like hear how it works to try and mind You're creeping me kid. out. Well, I've seen a lot of these movies. <laughs> uh, the... Um... The husband apparently returned home Friday night and found his wife was missing before the kid eventually confessed uh, killing her on early Saturday. He confessed to using a wheelbarrow to move mom's body into the family van and then drive her about a mile and a half away to the River City Church where he buried her in that fire pit. At first, he drove her to the Holy Hill area, uh, sorry, Holly Hill area in Daytona to dump her, uh, dump her corpse, but then headed back to find a shovel before he heads to the church. This thing is taking forever. First of all, the idea that it took 90 minutes to strangle mom to kill her is disturbing. Beyond, it, you, I don't think we can appreciate. I've never tried to strangle somebody. But the, the amount of energy and strength that it takes to do that and then to fight somebody literally for their life for a half an hour. And then he's just driving around town with a van and a body in the back. Oh, I forgot a shovel. Who forgot the shovel? You guys are dummies. You totally should have brought the shovel. I think people underestimate how much work murder is. It's never uh, never an easy task. Uh, extensive follow-up is included as well. All right. Uh, Psychopath Monday rolls on within Ooh. 11. Oh, I just ahead. wanted to point yeah. out the, the the sheriff said in the interrogations, this guy claimed that he wanted to be a cop. He wanted to be a detective. That's why he was taking that criminal justice class. Oh, yeah. But a lot of those sociopaths either were failed cops Mm -hmm. or wanted to be cops or security guards. Yep. 11-year-old boy in Arizona, Lynchfield Park, uh, shot his grandmother before turning the gun on himself. Why? Well, she was getting after him because he refused to clean up his room. This happened Saturday. Uh, Yvonne Woodward is her name. She's 65. She and her husband live with their grandson in a home. And the the grandfather told detectives they'd asked their grandson to clean his room, but he was being stubborn about it. So the couple's sitting on the couch watching TV together. Grandson comes up behind grandma and shoots her in the back of the head. Oh, my God. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Grandpa... Uh, first runs after the grandson and then comes back to try to help his wife. And while he's doing that, he hears the gunshot as the grandson shoots himself. The gun belonged to grandpa, but they haven't, uh, investigators have said they haven't found any other sort of evidence that uh, the the kid was suicidal or anything um, before this shooting. What the hell's wrong with people? A lot. Um, all right, let's uh, let's cleanse our palates a little bit, shall we, and talk about mystical, mythical creatures. Oh, that sounds perfect.
and perverts. Mystical <laughs> Creature Monday. That's better than Psychopath Monday, I think. But we can't just do, hey, what's a mermaid? Let's talk about uh, people. <laughs> the dark web? <laughs> yeah, the dark web version <laughs> of what's wrong with being a mermaid. Okay. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Shannon. Hey, uh, I have an event coming up this weekend. You do. Tell I me do, more. As a matter of fact, a uh, big event for Memorial Day weekend. Sorry, Veterans Day weekend. Duh. Planning ahead, I guess. Uh, the Wounded Warrior Amputee Softball Team. Uh, I've been dealing with them, working with them for a couple of years now. They're playing a doubleheader this weekend, Saturday, uh, right alongside the fourth annual Veterans Resource Fair at Saddleback College in Mission Viejo. So the Wounded Warrior Softball Team, Amputee to- Softball Team, made up of members of all the branches of the military that have sustained injuries that require amputations and in some cases multiple amputations and a lot of rehab, obviously, but they've become competitive athletes again. They travel the country playing these uh, these games around the country. So this Saturday, it's November 10th, Saddleback College Baseball Diamond, Wounded Warrior Amputee Softball Team takes on the CHP Capistrano Softball Team, which I've heard is unbelievable, and then a second game of the doubleheader is against a bunch of all-stars. Not that. I get to play in that game. You get to play in the all-star game. I do. How'd that work out? I have no idea. Okay. Gates open at noon. First pitch is at one. Admission is absolutely free, but they've also got a kid's zone, cool stuff for kids, bounce house, that sort of thing, raffle, silent auction, uh, that veterans resource fair with a bunch of organizations serving military veterans and their families, and a barbecue. Bring a couple of bucks, super cheap barbecue that you can have uh, benefiting the VFW as well. So that's this Saturday Wounded Warrior Amputee Softball Team at Saddleback College in Mission VA. Well, let me introduce you to Stephanie Norman. She's 32 years old. She was a elementary school teacher. And then she started getting these the chronic pains in her legs. And she says it reached a, bo- a breaking point and she struggled to walk on land. You're saying what? Yes. You know where we're going with this. She found that swimming eases the pain and that when she's in the water, she feels weightless. So she put two and two together and decided, well, this is the way that I need to live. Why not live my life as a mermaid? So she starts her own company, Halifax Mermaids, and now books regular performances at kids' birthday parties in aquariums. She runs the business with her husband, Sean, who uh, works as a simulation integration specialist. Is that a merman? I feel like that's like a mermaid picture taker where you make mermaids look like they're in the wild. Anyway, Stephanie, we're telling you about Stephanie because she has uncovered this whole dark world that we did not know about. People with a sexual fetish for the aquatic creatures known as mermaids. She has, she's got a successful business. I mean, she's, she's got so many tales. She's got a $25,000 collection of mermaid tales. Now, that is extensive. Well, how much does a mermaid tale cost? I mean, that might be I like five know. mermaid tales. Blake? How much does a mermaid tail cost? We're talking about the fake ones, Blake. Like the one that Shannon could put on, not like a real mermaid tail. Because I don't think that's so. highly dependent on the quality you're going for. Do you want to swim? Do you just want to be cute and take Instagram uh, it's pictures? It's not an exercise thing. It's not like I'm training for the Olympics. I, I want it to be a big flowing 
look like a piece of kelp is coming off my toes. I just found one for $2,950 on Etsy. I believe some come cheaper than that, though. They have them for... $39.95 Thirty-nine ninety-five at the Fin Fun Mermaid table. That's more that's the range. More, yeah, I was that's more say. my speed. Wow. Yeah, I'm more of a thirty-nine ninety-five mermaid. She says that one time while they were doing a promotional photo shoot at a beach, they were stopped by a man insisting that they must be filming a porno and asking if mermaids were a fetish. She says she gets people asking to hump her belly. Oh, I say, I don't even know what that means. Complete ignorance. That's better. Uh, there's tartar sauce references. No! <laughs> That's all I'll uh, say about, about that. How about this? A family-oriented event full of young kids. A man waits in line. Kids are coming by and taking pictures with the mermaids. Yeah. Guy waits in line just so he can get up to them and say, take off your top. <laughs> that's what you want a mermaid to and do? He's, that's real not even the, that's real not mermaids even... don't wear tops. Uh, some say, hello, I would like to date a mermaid, but I'm married. Mm-hmm. She says that she has swum, swum, swum with sharks. And she says that's not, that's not as scary as dealing with some of these men. That I, these men imagine relationships that are not there. Uh, well, I would have a question for Stephanie. Um, first of all, I would, I would turn to the men and I would say, hey, hey don't be a dirtbag. And then I would turn to Stephanie and I would say, what did you expect? Like you're, you, you're going to places wearing a tail and a bikini top. But she's going to kids' birthday parties. And so she's getting all of these propositions on her website that's just devoted to aquariums and birthday parties. And, hey, book Stephanie and, and for, for Lily's sixth birthday party. And instead she's getting requests to, you know, tartar sauce requests. That's disgusting. I can. It'd be like I'm us not having saying... a, a, web, a website, a Facebook page, Gary and Shannon, where you come for, you know, entertainment and news and fun. And we start getting requests about tartar sauce. You know, I'd be pissed, too. That's not the lane that she's driving in. But, would you, but, but part of you would be like, well, there's just going to be a percentage of people who are dirtbags. But she's inundated. This dark community is bigger than you thought. The takeaway, kids, is be nice to your mermaids. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. I guess. I don't know. Anytime, Blake. Anytime. (laughs) Gary and Shannon. Your chance to win $1,000 coming up in moments. Looks like the Trump administration's tough new sanctions on Iran have taken effect. But some of the teeth are missing. Eight major importers of Iranian oil are being spared from any sort of penalties, including China, Greece, India, Italy, Turkey, South Korea, Taiwan, Japan. They have gotten U.S. sanction waivers for Iran oil imports. It's fun watching uh, some of these uh, interviews with candidates they get down to it now i mean you figure this is weeks if not months of campaigning and they are in the last stretch probably the last 12 hours of work that they're going to do prime kissing baby time oh my gosh those poor babies uh anyway we'll we'll definitely cover what's coming up uh in the midterms at 12 30 when we get into swamp watch some of the pre- the president has some last minute things that he's doing today as well um and tomorrow modified schedule for election day um handles regular six to ten we're regular ten to two 
Mo Kelly and John Thomas coming in from two to four to really kick off what is going to be a long night. John and Ken, four to nine. And then Conway, 9 p.m. to midnight. We'll get all the election returns, of course, as they come in. Hey, did you ever know that Chewy is a nickname for Jesus? That if your name's Jesus, you go by Chewy sometimes? No. Me neither, but that's that's the case. Learn something new every day. I've never heard that in church. Right. Well, that's Jesus. This is Jesus. Same spelling. Different name. Okay. All right. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, so you're saying you've never heard that in church either? No. I've never re- heard Jesus referred to as Chewy. Uh, Blake, have you ever? You're the most Christ-like among us. No, I have not. Okay. Uh, well, this guy is a bad dude. This Jesus, Chewy Guzman, 34 years old. Last month, investigators found three decomposed bodies on this guy's property. He was renting this property in Little Rock. That's a problem when three decomposed bodies turn up on your land or the land that you're renting, huh? I mean, not one body, not two, but three. I would, three is the magic number. I would imagine that there are some questions that would be asked of you if you had three decomposing bodies there. They um, say he is a person of interest now in seven murders in Antelope Valley and a suspect in an eighth killing in Riverside County. Well, he was kicked out of that house on 106th Street there in Little Rock back in August. And that was the same day that investigators came through and they found uh, weapons, they found meth production, they found some stolen trailers and trucks on the property. He wasn't home at the time. And he had actually missed a court hearing three weeks earlier for an arrest in July. It it was in not until August, sorry, not until October that they found those bodies. So two months after he was kicked out, that's in, when they find the bodies. In Little Rock. You know, average temperature between August and September was, what, 102? Last month, investigators found the remains of two more bodies in a different part of the property. So it looks like uh, it was mid-October when they found the three decomposed bodies, and then a couple weeks later they found two more parts of of bodies. Now, they have identified two of them, uh, Lara uh, Paez and... Julieta Arvizu, both of Little Rock. Um, there's some other connections where uh, Arvizu and Lara live together in a trailer. And then the, sorry, the, the third person there was Quatemoc Lara. So those two guys live together in a trailer that in Little Julieta's Rock. That was Julieta's boyfriend. Right. But, and then Lara Paez would sometimes stay when he and his wife were fighting. So there's this weird circle of... Drugs, weapons, yeah. stolen property, all that sort of thing. You've got and, a trailer. You've got a couple of relationships. You've got some meth and some weapons. And listen, that never ends well. The uh, sheriff's lieutenant who's been uh, helping this case, Lieutenant uh, Joe Mendoza, says it took us a little while to figure out that they were all acquainted socially based on some other stuff that he may have been involved with. They want to make sure that they uh, they know what happened during the double murder. he The other two bodies, uh, the, the the last two found on his property, uh, looks like they were shot and killed. This is Jerry DeLuna and Mariano Campos. They were found there, and they want to talk to him about that. Obviously a person of interest because bodies keep turning up around this guy. And then we move to Riverside County, where the sheriff's department there is also looking for Chewy. Yeah, he and, a, he and a buddy there are suspected in a botched home invasion robbery in Menifee that ended up killing a guy. 
and they said that they believe the pair was drawn to a large amount of marijuana that was found on the property. Uh, and witnesses reporting seeing a bunch of guys fleeing from the property after the uh, 43-year-old occupant was killed. Um, if you do have large amounts of marijuana in your home, spread. What? Yeah, I'm waiting. Just a PSA yeah. here. Yeah, I just, I, love it. I would spread it out to the neighbors. Oh, okay. Just, you know, just hey, do me a favor, hold this box of bud because uh, I don't want uh, home invasion, home invaders. Kicking in my door. I have neighbors that would absolutely do that. Yeah, Go but, out and get yourself some neighbors that would hide a large amount of drugs for you. Well, in, they, so that in the event of a home invasion, you're not left empty-handed. It's not illegal now. I mean, but but I mean, just in terms of, it's still a much sought-after product. Like my neighbors wouldn't even ask questions. Like there wouldn't even be a follow-up. They'd just say, "Okay, let us know when you want it back." Tell me when you need it back. They're amazing. Uh, this guy, by the way, the manhunt is on for him. Chewy Guzman, Latino, 5'5", 150 pounds, should be considered armed and dangerous. He is known to hang out in Little Rock, Adelanto, Victorville, Riverside, and Compton. we come back, there's another strange story going on. Uh, one person was killed after a shooting broke out at a detox center, and we're still looking for the shooter in that case. That's Would you ask follow-up questions if I brought my box of drugs in for you to hide? Uh, it depends on what drugs they were. Okay. If it was pot? Probably not. If it was meth? I'd have some questions. <laughs> Amy Kings. Wait. Oh, wait. I forgot. $1,000? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword BANK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's BANK to 200-200. If you win, they will let you know before the top of the hour, but you got to answer the phone to pick up that 1000 bucks. You have a chance to win $1,000 once an hour, Monday through Friday, from 5 in the morning through to uh, 6.20 p.m. So, in other words, a- another chance an hour from now. Plus, this weekend, make sure you listen to a bunch of shows over the weekend because you can get more chances to win $1,000. We had a hometown uh, murder. Who did? You and I. This, oh, the, this the detox, detox center, center yeah. shootings are right around where we grew up. Didn't even realize Good that. thing we never ended up in the detox center. Not that one. Not yet. Gary and Shannon will continue. Seattle most of the weekend for the uh, for the Chargers game. Yes, but you and you said you were not invited to the Dennis Hoff funeral. Is that? I wasn't just because the person who would invite me is dead. Because Dennis Hoff was he was the one who invited me to go uh, get gain employment at his brothel. Yes. Uh, last year was it? Yeah. So earlier this year, I do yeah. feel like I kind of missed out on an invite because well, he was dead. Uh, the next uh, few minutes, probably ten minutes or so away, we're going to have to tell you what happened at that <laughs> expletive-filled memorial for Dennis Hoff. Strange cast of characters that showed up. Did you see the picture of Ron Jeremy? Yes. <laughs> He's wearing his pajamas from 1992 well, and Crocs. D- and is he a Cro- rich Crocs? Is he a rich guy? I don't know. 
I don't know anything about him other than his reputation of being a porn star. And how close to him physically right now is Harvey Weinstein? He's just a couple steps away from looking just like, just like Ron Jeremy. I don't know. It's all bad. Okay. It's all bad. Uh, well, it looks like sheriff's officials up in Marin County have a three, a triple shooting to investigate. They say they're not going to have another update until this afternoon. This is at a detox center. It's the only detox center in Marin County. This is just north of the Golden Gate Bridge up there in the Bay Area. It's called the Helen Vine Detox Center in San Rafael. The shooting itself uh the shooting itself was a strange thing. Authorities said they got a call that staff members had been shot. And as of this morning, they're still looking for whoever did this. Officers showed up at the rehab facility. They found three people have been shot. One of one man was pronounced dead at the scene, and another man and a woman had to be taken to uh, Marin General. And they have said at this point they don't know what the pro, uh, uh, what the motive was in all of this. This is a 26-bed co-ed residential detox program. Uh, it offers, quoting here, recovery-oriented services to people with alcohol and drug addiction issues, as well as co-occurring psychiatric problems. So if you're uh, crazy in the head because of your alcohol and drug addiction, they can treat all of that. It's a cornucopia of recovery. That sounds nice, cornucopia. Local police have been known to take people to the center when they're drunk in public or have called for help after drinking for days. Some clients are from ERs of local hospitals. Others check themselves into the center for treatment. It's a catch-all. It's open 24 hours a day, staffed by 15 employees. Um, It's relatively small, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, 26 beds doesn't seem like it's very big. They also said that they opened uh, uh, this facility just in April, these 26 beds, providing rehab services to men and women suffering from the drug and alcohol addictions. And in fact, the building itself is tiny. I mean, there's looks like there's maybe 10 or 12 parking spots out in front. It's not a big place. It's not. But then again, I if you were in a recovery center in that sort of a in recovery environment, you don't want a hotel. KTVU is reporting that, according to the Marin County Sheriff, one staff member was killed. So that was the per- that was the man, according to KTVU. That was uh, now. Although I don't really know about KTVU anymore. Ever since that Korean pilot names fiasco, I don't know if I feel comfortable going on the air with what they're reporting. Well, it's not like they're making fun of anybody. They just said that they they weren't making fun of anybody that day. They were just dumb and they didn't pre-read those names. Come on. You have to say them. No, Amy. That's no. We too low. We said no. We're not going to. You said no. Something wrong. It was bad. Holy Holy fuck. Yeah. (laughs) What was the last one? Anybody? Bing, dang, ow. Ding, bang, ow. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, not good. Not good at the detox. Bad vibes at the detox center. You know, here you go. You're, you're getting your life together. You've made the call for help. Check into a center and somebody uh, bursts into the place and shoots it up. I, I imagine we're going to find out that this was... Uh, that all of the uh, people who were targeted were staff members. Oh, really? Well, I would imagine also, depending on what time of night it was, they may be the only ones up. That's true. 
they um sometimes Do you think it was a former resident or a former coworker? Maybe a former coworker. Yeah. But that's just us. Uh, tomorrow, obviously, is the midterm elections. We have a modified schedule for programming tomorrow to set your clocks by. Handles regular 6 to 10. We're regular 10 to 2. And then it becomes irregular after that. Mo Kelly and John Thomas coming in from 2 until 4 to sort of tee things up. John and Ken will be on from 4 until 9. They will be the ones who will see some of those early returns coming in from the East Coast. And then Conway, 9 p.m. to midnight, is going to be able to close shop here uh, on all of our California returns because the polls close at 8 p.m. Uh, that will be that will be quite a busy day tomorrow. Um, in fact, 12:30 when we get into Swamp Watch, we're going to talk more about some of these polls, uh, some of what the president is doing over the course of the next couple of hours before the election, and then what it is that we can expect to see after Wednesday. Like. People talking about a massive cabinet shakeup coming to the White House after the election results come in on Wednesday. Have we ever been in a period of stable cabinet? With this administration? Yeah. Not really. Not really. Okay, coming up next, a star-studded send-off to tell you all about happened in the desert, and it is a who's who of the underworld. This is like if the dark web came to life. <laughs> yes, exactly. And went to a funeral in Vegas. <laughs> Gary Channel will continue. Oh my gosh, this is hilarious. I was just looking at Fox News, and they had uh, they had images of Scott Walker and his opponent, his Democratic opponent, opponent Tony Evers stuck neck and neck in this governor's race in Wisconsin. Scott Walker is at a rally wearing a Badgers sweatshirt and the Democrat I it was a Packers that was the Democrat. Oh 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 ever They're okay, both wearing <laughs> Wisconsin sports paraphernalia. Such whores everywhere. That uh, that Tony Evers God. though boy he looks like a bag of fun, doesn't he? No. He looks like the guy who sold uh insurance to my parents in early nineteen eighties. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that in Wisconsin. Just like straight-laced white guy, insurance salesman type. I, they're kind of everywhere, aren't they? I suppose. I'd uh, buy insurance from you. Well, that's thank you. You're welcome. So You're trustworthy. Nice. You know who's not trustworthy? Ooh, Nick. Probably. Never mind. I don't need to speak ill of the dead. Dennis Hoff's <laughs> funeral. You guys. This is just too good. This is too good. More than 500 people show up on Saturday at this memorial in Carson City, Nevada. Casino Fandango. Yeah. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You. Uh, uh, just in terms of the insurance salesman in the front row. <laughs> looking at some of the images from the people. And you mentioned um, Ron Jeremy wearing pajamas and Crocs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy in front of him is wearing jeans and a t-shirt. The guy behind him is wearing jeans, cargo shorts, I'm sorry, a t-shirt, cargo shorts, and black tennis shoes. Um, I mean, it'd be a little late. I don't think you would even write in uh, whatever will or uh, directive that you leave for family members uh, what uh, dress code you would want. Definitely not cargo shorts. <laughs> but uh, there are two things I will not allow at a memorial service. Number one, Crocs. Crocs. Number two, cargo shorts. Oh, my gosh. I'm with you. Madam Suzette is the general manager of Hoff's Four Brothels. She closed all the venues down 
from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. to allow the sex workers to attend the memorial. That is so nice. She is believed to be taking over the brothels. Uh, she worked for Dennis Hoff for 30 years. Of course, he died at his love ranch there in Crystal, Nevada, shortly ha- after having sex with one of his prostitutes, Dasha Dare. Dennis Hoff was 72. He had just been at a rally for his campaign to win a seat in the Nevada State Assembly. District 36, it looks like he's, he might still win even as a dead guy. They're putting posters up at polling places saying, hey, this guy's dead. Uh, but I don't know if it's going to work. Anyway, so. Question real quick. Yeah. When you close it down from one to six, mm-hmm. are you missing out on like the whales or is it like. You're oh, missing out on the cargo shorts, guys. Or is it just like, yeah, we just don't have happy hour today. I feel like that's when the discount people come around. Is it not? Is anyone else uncomfortable, Blake, talking about happy hour or yes, brothel? Yes, I am. Okay. Madam Suzette was the final person to speak. She was wearing a black dress, wearing pearls. Took her several minutes to gain her conspo- her composure. At least she wasn't wearing cargo shorts and Clorox. She talked about how Dennis changed the rights of legal sex workers, that he allowed us to establish our hours, our prices, who we could service. <laughs> He gave women more rights and control over their body. She told the crowd, I will carry on his legacy for life. Fellow former brothel worker Willow Love said, Dennis was a revolutionary. He changed the game. He was concerned with our families and lifestyle. He was concerned with how we were doing. Wait for it. When I was pregnant, he threw me a huge baby shower. Any problem I had with a boyfriend, the law, he was always there for us. Dennis loved us. Heidi Fleiss was there. Oh, my gosh. She did an interview with the Daily Mail. God bless the Daily Mail. She said, I'm lucky I was able to come to be such good friends with him. Dennis is on the right side of history. What he did for women. There is a lot more to be said about Dennis. Um, She told in this exclusive interview with the Daily Mail a great little anecdote. Isn't it, though? To kind of paint the picture of who Dennis Hoff really was. And she says... One time I asked Dennis to pick up some crystal meth for me. He replied that he would, but he had to meet with a local sheriff. And then laughed. Dennis had such a good sense of humor. Ron Jeremy was there in his Crocs. Again, and I'm asking. Uh, he sat, he sat is, side by side with Heidi Fleiss. Is he a wealthy guy? Is he, did he make a lot of money? I don't money know. Or Blake? Just, yeah, Blake. Ron Blake, Jeremy. the new, the new uh, brothel correspondent. I was asking when happy hour was. Why am I going to know what their income is? Why does there have to be a half? Is there? A, is that a thing? I'm just a guessing. I was asking. It was curiosity. Well, Google it. You why brought is it, it taking up? you an hour? I don't understand. Never mind. Ew. Gross. Gross, gross, gross. <laughs> gross. God. You want to wipe? Uh, Bob Zmuda was also a speaker. He founded the Comic Relief USA. And he, God, you've really ruined the day for me. Sorry. (laughs) He told the crowd, Dennis lived himself to death. And he remembered how Dennis Hoff once told him, I need a relationship because I need someone to cheat on. He told the audience Dennis could have scripted his death, couldn't have scripted his death any better. He died after having sex with a hooker. That man pimped out the grim reaper. F you, Dennis Hoff.
you see a picture of the hooker that he had sex with that, that killed him? Yeah, I remember that from last month when he died. Oh. Why? I don't know. What do you think about her? Is that, Are you going to judge her now? No. She seems nice. I mean. All right. I guess I'll have to be the one to Google it. To Google what? Happy, Happy hour. Happy rates. Oh, my gosh. At brothel. <laughs> don't image search. Oh, uh, no. There's been other times where she has, and we haven't told her that before. So. I know. And you guys have the benefit of actually, unfortunately, looking at the same computer screen that she does. Yeah, and I that window's nice and clean now, too, so I, we can see everything. <laughs> I don't have to look at it. Oh, what does it say? What does it say? I'm not going to talk about it. Okay. Tartar sauce. What? Exactly. I just got into that whole tartar sauce world. <laughs> it's not funny, and I won't it forget is. what you did. Uh, Pete Davidson stepped into his own uh, pile of giant turd this weekend with I a joke the, on Saturday Night Live. I kind of like the reaction, though. From the the man he was joking about. Oh, yeah. The guy wins. Yes. I mean, the guy absolutely wins. But at the same time, then Pete Davidson tried to play, like, I'm really a good guy card when he talked about Ariana um, Grande. I almost said Ariana Huffington. Ariana Grande, like, she's, you know, she's really a great person, and I'm not going to, you know, bag on her or anything. But he doesn't have enough respect for a guy who lost his eye in Afghanistan. Well, and here's the thing. He knew that he lost his eye in the he war. He even said that in his comments and then said whatever. It was the whatever where it's like, uh, you got to get out of that uh got to get out of that Ariana Grande bubble and that celebrity bubble and realize what you're talking about when you say things like I know he lost his eye in the war or whatever. Gary Channel will continue this moment. I got no counting. Shannon, day before Election Day tomorrow, uh, if you've seen this story, there was an American serviceman who was killed in Afghanistan. He happened to be, uh, Brent Taylor, happened to be the mayor of North Ogden, Utah, uh, and serving with the National Guard, killed Saturday in Afghanistan, Um Believed to be somebody that he was working with, somebody in the Afghan army that was, uh, you know, uh, I think they call it blue on green. Uh, he wrote in a post just the other day. Brent Taylor did post it on Facebook. As the USA gets ready to vote in our own election Tuesday, I hope everyone back home exercises their precious right to vote. And that whether Republicans or the Democrats win, that we all remember that we have far more as Americans that unites us than divides us. United we stand, divided we fall. God bless America. And with that, he posted pictures of people in Afghanistan voting. A couple of other different quotes and everything. But he was killed on uh, Saturday, and apparently one of his last wishes was that everybody gets out and votes. NBC and Fox News Channel both said today they're going to stop airing the president's campaign advertisement that features an immigrant convicted of killing two officers. Uh, CNN had rejected the same ad, saying that it was racist. The uh, the ad, I guess, aired on Sunday Night Football last night and MSNBC's Morning Joe, and there was just a slew of of heat coming from people online about that. So they will uh, get rid of it. Interesting that... uh... Fox decided that as well. Uh, we, uh, I stayed up and watched 
Saturday Night Live recording of it, and I was embarrassed by it. I just feel like Saturday Night Live is nothing I know. like what it used to it be. It used to be great. I mean, Chevy Chase does have a point. The pug wigs were funny. I didn't that see any a, of it. It was just... I mean, I saw the one weekend update or the, uh, with uh, Pete Davidson that we're going to talk about. Well, and that was, that was probably the most controversial, although the, it's... I, I don't know what we're expecting now from Saturday Night Live. It's not like we're going to go, can oh, we my do? gosh, what, you know? Right. And plus, Pete Davidson's going through some stuff, we'll say. Because Pete Davidson just broke up with Ariana Grande. They Following were... the death, overdose death of her ex-boyfriend, which seems to have unraveled things for Ariana and Pete. Yeah. So in, uh, in Weekend Update, Pete Davidson comes on and shows pictures of politicians and just makes comments about their looks. And I mean, he was very it. funny. And then he made fun of his own looks at two at one point. And at the end, he says uh, about the breakup. I know y'all are talking about it. You know, she's a strong girl. She's great. I wish her nothing but the best. But before he did all of that, uh, he went after one veteran candidate who has an eye patch because he lost an eye in the war. This guy's kind of. This guy's kind of cool, uh, Dan Crenshaw. Uh, oh, come on, man. Yo, hold on. Uh, you may be surprised to hear he's a congressional candidate from Texas and not a hitman in a porno movie. Uh, I'm sorry, I know he lost his eye in, in war or whatever. Whatever. That was the problem right there. If he said, I'm sorry... I know he lost his eye in the war, and I shouldn't even go there. Thank you for your service. And he moves on, something like that. Right. It would have been fine. But the whatevers, that's where I think you get into trouble. And, and comics are in a very bad place right now. You can't make fun of anything. Well, But you certainly can't make fun of veterans. I think that's one of the things we all agree on. And it's, I think it's a frustrating thing if, uh, if Dan Crenshaw's response, by the way, was a good rule in life. I try not to offend. I try harder not to be offended. That being said, I hope Saturday Night Live recognizes that vets don't deserve to see their wounds used as punchlines for bad jokes. Had had you ended with the hitman in a porn movie? Yes. That's fine. Totally. It's fine. Because you don't have to... Then you, you don't explain, but, you don't bring attention to... But the to, fact that he did know that he lost in the, his eye in the war was good. Yeah. Like, you can't just go after a guy with an eye patch willy-nilly. you right. got to have some sort of perspective and know what happened or whatever. So I liked that he knew that he lost his... But then the whatever, whatever took away any goodwill his knowledge about that could have provided. And I mean, I, it's just... Being somebody who also wore an eye patch for a time, definitely not the same reasons that Dan Crenshaw wears an eye patch. Well, you but... had a lazy eye. Yes. And I the... would have been offended had, at the time... Chevy Chase made fun of me on Saturday Night Live Weekend Update. And if, uh, and if I remember correctly, the first day that you wore the eye patch, you went to an amusement park and people talked to you like a pirate the whole day. Is that right? Yes. And is that now why you have an obsession with people that have lazy eyes? It is potentially why I am infatuated with them, yes. Mac Miller, by the way, Ariana Grande's ex-ex-boyfriend, uh, the rapper, the producer, we're finding out what he overdosed on. It's uh, quite the, I, shall I dare bring up a cornucopia again? Fentanyl, cocaine, alcohol. Looks like he had some of the, the codones going on. They found a rolled up $20 bill with white powdery residue in his right pocket. They found two 
uh, baggies found with white powder. Oh, yeah. Here's the list of pills in the home. Xanax, oxycodone, hydrocodone, Adderall. They say that it was not the amount of each drug that was a lethal amount, but the combo that killed him. The coroner detailed the location of all of his tattoos, by the way. And some of them are kind of comical. You know, it says, you know, there's just like a little circle, like a T, and then a circle drawn around it on the body outlines um, to to denote where the tattoos are. And then there's descriptions for each tattoo, like Rose or, quote, no women, no cry, end quote, a bird symbol, Marilyn Monroe. And then there's uh, flames with woman and alien riding spaceship. Person's face wearing glasses. Boxing kangaroo. Uh, P in the style of Pittsburgh. There's a range. Anyway, very sad. Well, Died back in September. Found around noon in his home in the valley. They do say it was uh, accidental. We have a bunch of trending stories we're going to get to. We also have uh, all of our Swamp Watch stuff we've got to dive into as well. And, uh, hey, coming up in the one thirty segment, we're going to revisit some of this stuff. Our friend Jason Nathanson is going to join us. We haven't talked to Jay Nat in a while. On the other side of Amy's News, your chance at $1,000 right here on Gary and Shannon. And I'm Tom. KFI AM 640, if we can agree on one thing in this country, can we agree on the fact that we cannot agree on who is better, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? Tom Brady just plays in a better system. It's more advanced. The we're, Packers are doing multiplication. And agree. Tom Brady's doing algebra. It's just about the system. You're asking too much Aaron Rodgers. And if I have to hear one more freaking conversation about who's better, so I just want to make us agree on all of that right we now. We can't agree. We can't agree. I agree. <gasps> Thank you. What else is going on? <laughs> Time for What's Happening. Well, we will be going over our football weekend and gas fantasy foreplay winners because there were some Mr. Gary Hoffman coming up next. Oh, thank you for noticing. And your chance at $1,000. But first, you hear about this shooting at a Florida yoga studio? Uh, I was actually at Morongo when I saw this, that there had been a shooting at a yoga studio Friday in Tallahassee. Hot Yoga Tallahassee is the studio. Guy walks in, starts shooting. And then turns the gun on himself. In the midst of this, though, the guy's gun jammed. And one of the yoga students? What do they call them? Practitioners? Students. Joshua Quick jumped up and tried to grab this guy's gun after a jam. I really don't feel like I had any choice. You know, I feel like we were in a situation where the only wrong thing to do would, would have been to do nothing. Um and so I don't I do not think of myself as brave. I do not think of myself as a hero. I just really think that um, in that circumstance, we had to do something. He didn't BS his biceps that day. He really went after the guy, grabbed a broom, he said, uh, the only thing he could, and hit him again. Um, but the guy was able to grab the gun back, pistol whip Josh, and then end up shooting himself before the cops got there. Two people killed, six more, two women, a 61-year-old faculty member at FSU and a 21-year-old FSU student were shot and killed. Very sad local story. Uh, Costa Mesa Fire and Rescue Captain 
has died a couple of days after he was hit by a DUI, suspected DUI driver in Mission Viejo. Now you want your heart ripped out. Take a picture of, look at a picture of him and his family. Oh my gosh. Three There's, little girls. Um, the, the 25-year-old driver of the van was arrested, suspicion of felony DUI. I don't know if it makes it better that he stayed there as opposed to running from the scene of the accident. It doesn't. But this collision happened about 8 Saturday morning on Alicia Parkway near Via Burgos, um, the captain was off duties, riding his bike, apparently training for a, a triathlon when he was hit. And I know a handful of people who bike riders who have fallen, have been hit multiple times. The lucky ones are the ones who end up walking away from it. I but... just don't trust p- other people enough to ride a bike on a on a road. I just don't. Um, all right. This is another terrible story. Girl Scouts killed Saturday. They were picking up trash along a county highway in Wisconsin right before noon. And there was a 21-year-old suspected driver admitted to huffing right before he crashed into them. Uh, Haley, 10, Autumn, 10, Jaina, 9, all killed. Haley's mom, Sarah Joe, also killed. The driver veered out of his lane, crossed over the center line, and drove into a ditch. And he was huffing? Yep. Another 10-year-old girl was struck. She's in stable condition in the hospital. He was huffing air duster. What is that? Is that the thing you use to clean out the computer? Yeah. I know somebody who's got one of those cans on his desk right now. Strictly for the keyboard. Mm-hmm. How do you think it's uh, it, This is another story of death? Nick. Yeah, we're going to have to redo this the segment wrong here, with you. Isn't it like National Donut Day or something? We could have perked <laughs> it up a little In bit. Fact it is. Um... Texas bride and groom, just married, Byler and Bailey Ackerman, 23 years old, both seniors at Sam Houston State, died early yesterday morning uh, after they were in a helicopter ride. 76-year-old pilot died. He was a Vietnam vet. Um, Private commercial pilot working for the groom's father's helicopter business. Elon Musk has displayed his tunnel in a video on Twitter over the weekend, calling it disturbingly long. It looks like we are ready for a December opening of this baby, allegedly, according to Elon Musk. In a tweet yesterday saying, walked full length of Boring Company Tunnel under L.A. tonight, disturbingly long. (laughs) Wow. That's terrifying. I know. I know that, listen, I think a tunnel that big, it wouldn't be a problem. Probably it wouldn't be a problem for me. It starts getting a little smaller, you know. So like in in Russia when we were there, their underground goes down like a mile is the escalator down into the and it's like it's kind of a tube. You've got an escalator going up and one going down, and you're on that thing for a, about a mile. I think it's the most it's the deepest underground in the world. I think. And I thought of you when I was on that escalator going down, going, I wonder what he would do. Because it does feel like, uh, this isn't right. Well, listen. Uh, why are we still going down? There was a time when I uh, was in an F-16, and I uh, I felt some of the same things I think I would have felt in a tunnel like just that. Enclosed, like, I'm enclosed. just enclosed. I'm going to breathe my way through this. Yeah. Like I'm going to get through this. It's not going to be an issue. I'm not going to feel claustrophobic, and I'm not going to feel claustrophobic, and I'm not going to feel claustrophobic. Please, uh-huh. somebody turn the air on. Please, somebody right. turn the air on. The more you think about it, the worse it gets. Yes. Ugh. Did I tell you about that time? Was it an F-16? 
No. Uh, oh, speaking of Elon Musk, remember the uh, remember that car that they launched into space? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With the, the guy in it, Starman. They say now that uh, Starman is beyond Mars. That it's out there orbiting well beyond Mars in sort of a an offset orbit that will take it outside of the orbit of Mars every once in a while. So we shot it up there just to roam around? Yeah, which All I didn't right. know you could do. Yeah, I, I thought there would be a law against that. Like littering or something? Yeah. Did you see the video of yes. Michael Irvin? Michael Irvin, uh, I'm not going to say cocaine, but I will say he was sweating profusely this morning on, what is it, first take? Talking about Dallas. Now, they're in Dallas. I know there's a lot of hype with this game. The Cowboys are kind of a question mark at three and four, I believe. The Titan, They're playing the Titans. It's at home. It's a big game. What is this Cowboys team going to be this season? But you don't need to get that excited about it. I don't understand Sweat, that. I mean, sweating yeah. like uh, in... Remember that that movie, Broadcast News? Yes. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. Uh. They said towel after towel, napkin after napkin, he was damp again. Maybe he just doesn't feel well. Maybe he's got some got flu or something. Or he ate some bad Polish scramble. Are you going to stop talking about that Polish scramble? So good. And I was sweating. I mean, that's not really a complicated dish to do. You could make that at home. Not like that, I couldn't. And I was sweating for two hours in the car. It was so good. Coming up next, Gas Fantasy Foreplay. We got a winner in here. And a loser who has chosen Christ over the NFL. I mean, I get it. Still okay with that decision. I get it, but <laughs> it's showing. It's showing from week to week. That's okay. You could, week to you week. could have both, Blake. That's true. You Put could have. In my both. church fantasy league, I'm in first place. That That's does, a bunch that of people that chose Christ over the NFL. And I'm, still, and I'm, and I'm the best of them. <laughs> Uh, hey, I want to remind you that there's a big event coming up for Veterans Day weekend. The Wounded Warrior Amputee Softball Team is playing a doubleheader coming up on Saturday uh, alongside the 4th Annual Veterans Resource Fair at Saddleback College in Mission Viejo. So this Wounded Warrior team is made up of members of all branches of the military who have injuries that have required amputations, sometimes multiple amputations. And they are now back as competitive athletes playing teams from around the country. So this Saturday, November 10th, Saddleback College Baseball Diamond, the world, uh, the Wounded Warrior Amputee Softball Team, takes on the CHP Capistrano Softball Team for one game. The second game of the doubleheader is the Wounded Warriors against an all-star team. Plus one. Me, not the all-star. Gates open at noon. First pitch is at one. Admission is totally free. There's a kid zone. Bunch of stuff for kids to do. Raffle, silent auction. That Veterans Resource Fair. Bring a couple bucks and get a VFW barbecue lunch, etc., Saturday, November 10th, Saddleback College. All right, your chance right now at $1,000. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword BILLS to 200, 200 You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's BILLS to 200, 200 And remember, answer that phone. It's going to be a number you don't recognize, you don't pick up. They move on. Your next chance to win next hour all through 620 tonight and on the weekends as well. Shannon, President Trump kicking off his final campaign blitz before the midterms, declaring that, quoting here, everything is at stake. His first stop today was in Cleveland. 
where he was there to campaign for the Ohio Attorney General, the Republican candidate for governor. Uh, this is an interesting version of uh, voter fraud, voter suppression issues. Democratic candidate for governor Stacey Abrams in Georgia. Uh, an attorney for election security advocates is suing the secretary of state in Georgia, notified the FBI and um, uh, the uh, secretary of state's office that a private citizen found what could be a major flaw in the voter registration database in the state of Georgia. But don't we hear about these every single election? Yeah. Some sort of whispers of fraud. Well, now now the Secretary of State is accusing Democrats of hacking the system. And the candidate for governor, Stacey Abrams, is blaming the Secretary of State for exposing information for a third time now, for having a, a less than adequate security around the voter registration system. Well, it was a fun weekend in the NFL. Los Angeles Chargers go up to Seattle, one of the probably the most hostile place to play in all of professional sports and are able to knock off a, as was described, a hot Seattle Seahawks team. It went down to the wire because there were some kicking problems. Again, uh, Caleb Sturgis no longer with the Chargers as of this morning. Looks like they will sign Mike Badgley back from the practice squad, he was great on point afters, and he was great on on uh, on field goals. Kicking off, he had some issues. Only two touchbacks, I believe. But nevertheless, he is the most consistent kicker we've seen in the past two years. The Chargers have been in Los Angeles. The other team in Los Angeles, the Rams, they fell to the Saints. They fell that was a, those in two, the Dome. That was the probably the best afternoon two football games yeah. to watch that all season for me. I mean, what a shootout. And you expect no less with Jared Goff and Drew Brees. But there were definitely some some issues with coverage exposed with that Rams defense and secondary. And if I'm not mistaken, there was not one sack in the entire game. Okay. Because I know they went into like halfway through the fourth quarter. Um, Troy Aikman and uh, Joe Buck said that this is the first time we've seen this in a long time where there has been no sack on either side for either team. So and I, I'm assuming that that's how it ended up because uh, I didn't see anything even watching that last uh, the incredible throw by Drew Brees, which is what every time, every time he's making such a strong case for MVP. I think Clearly. it'll be the first time, too. Um, there was one point also where he got hit early on mid throw. Like he's he reaching back to heave a pass 30 or 40 yards down the field and he got hit right in the shoulder, which was his problem. Why he came or when he went to New Orleans from San Diego is because the issue with his shoulders and the question of whether or not he was ever going to play again. The Steelers have solidified themselves as a power in the AFC beating the Ravens. Uh, my father was wrong about that game. Or was he right about that game? Did he pick the Steelers? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't All know. I know is I lost two of the Did games. he pick like I picked? No, you picked perfectly. What? You did great. Here, I'll give you a gold star. Let me, I didn't even check let that. Let me check the gold star pen. I didn't even know that. Here you go. Thank you. It's for you. That's all we get? That's the first time one of us has gone 4-0 all season. What do you want? I don't know. Freaking, you want Nick to put on his unicorn head and be a pony? No. Is that what you want? <laughs> it, can be, it can be done. No. It's in the other room. Did we have any listeners go four for four? We had two. Oh, who? Two. Chris and uh, Crow, Crow in the North. Uh, Crow in the North did it last week, too. Wow. wow. Back to backers. I guess that's my, that's the next goal that's for one of us, right? That's your next goal. Yeah. Is to go back to back because I don't think any of us have gone back to back four, no. 
That'd be an amazing thing. An amazing feat. Do you have any? Do you have any idea how far ahead I would be if I went four and zero next week too? You know what? There's a thing Did called. You just roll your yes, eyes because there's a thing called class and grace. I haven't and said you don't anything have any. all day. This is a segment I where we're only talking star. about gas. I pointed out that you went four and zero, and yet you still feel the need to, go, hey, to take a victory lap. We we Least just I said it. Say I would go to like, go zero four like Nick did. Like let other people shine a light on you. Zero opportunity. So you don't have to be that guy. You were at a game yesterday. You were at a game, and I had to sit on my butt and watch it on the couch. So I won this much. This much. You know who was not impressed at all that I picked those four games yesterday? Your wife? Yes. Now, how can that be? (laughs) Because it's a silly game that doesn't mean anything. And yet you have this amount of emotion connected to it. When she didn't care, did you try a second time and ask your daughter? I went straight to the dog after that. <laughs> I knew my, my daughter would care. All right. Coming up next, we'll dive into Swamp Watch. So much to get to today on midterm election eve. <laughs> we're no? Not, we're not going to do eve. We're not doing that? Nope. I'd like to put the whole eve thing to bed. Like, there's one eve, and it's Christmas eve. Ooh. And that's the only eve we get to have. What about Halloween? No. Oh. What about New Year's eve? Oh. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Oh, it's Saturday night. I'm praying for the wicked of the weekend. Mama, can I get another amen? Oh, 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 it's Saturday night. Swear to God, I'm never going to repent. Mama, can I get another amen? Oh, 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 it's Saturday night. Gary and Shannon. Coming up, Market Mondays at 1 o'clock. Rebecca Jarvis will join us. Looks like senior citizens are joining teenagers, hell, even replacing them as fast food workers. Also, Applebee's is betting on your eating habits, and uh, they're betting that you don't like eating good or well <laughs> or healthy. I and they're right. There's There are plenty of restaurants out there. I've always wanted to do just, like, simple comfort food. All of it's hot. All of it's relatively smooth. It's all a Polish scramble. There's all there's cheese in every dish. You need Just to go to Wisconsin. Food. Oh my gosh, that'd be so. I'm hungry again. Twelve thirty though. You know what we do every day at twelve thirty, and so does Blake. Drain the swamp. We're gonna drain the swamp of Washington. We're gonna have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Well, the president uh, out and about once again today, uh, his last swing to uh, campaign for Republicans before the midterms tomorrow. Uh, Lana Zak is uh, following his travels and travails as we make our way through. Lana, what's going on? Well, the president is finishing up his blitz. Um, you know, he ha- he's hitting three states today. He uh, is um, is really campaigning 
so hard for his fellow Republicans. We just heard him moments ago, and he was saying that whether he likes it or not, the press is going to make this election a referendum on President Trump. And we, and we see that in the polls, that that's how American voters um, are motivated to cast their ballots, whether it's for the president because they support him or against him uh, as a result of, of casting a vote in opposition. A lot of the people who are going to be headed to the polls tomorrow or who have already gone um, are really trying to determine not just the future of policy, but really as a referendum on Trump's uh, vision of America. He had some strong words in Cleveland there when he was campaigning for the attorney general who's running for, for governor. Yeah, he's, uh, he has not minced words. He's been accused of fear-mongering. He has been talking about, uh, in, in some ways, Nancy Pelosi has become his boogeyman, um, talking about how if Democrats win the control of the House, which a lot of polls indicate they, they're uh, likely to do tomorrow, that Nancy Pelosi is, is going to be coming in, that there's going to be more illegal immigrants coming into the United States supported by the Democratic Party. And he's also... Um, in the case of, of some of these particular races, had really uh, disparaging things to say about about the Democratic opponents. So not all of them uh, entirely rooted in, in facts. Uh, big uh, poll released not only by ABC News but Washington Post yesterday, um, sort of the last one before we get to Tuesday. And one of the things that was uh, was touted was the poll finds that among registered voters – They prefer Democratic candidates for the House over Republican candidates, 50 to 43. Talk about that. Yeah, and and this goes into uh, part of what we're seeing is is that um, question about rhetoric, about tone, about vision for America. But then another part of it is really health care. A lot of those people who say that they are voting against uh, the Republicans in these House specific races uh, have listed health care as their more uh, as their single most important issue. And among uh, people who are voting on health care, Democrats uh, outweigh uh, Republicans in Americans' trust in handling it. Um, there, there's also uh, there's also something to be said for those numbers too, in terms of um, of looking at uh, at reducing divisions in the United States. We've heard from a lot of people across the country that they feel like America is just too divided right now. Forty six percent of Americans who say that they're uh, that they're planning on turning out to vote say that Democrats are are better at reducing divisions among uh, among the two different parties in this country. It's interesting also because that number of, you know, 50 to 43, in, it's, it's a general question. Do you prefer a Democratic candidate over a Republican candidate? But the way the Washington Post wrote it up, it even says, but you can't then take from that, you know, you can't drill down to the district by district competitions that are going on. Because, exactly. Because exactly. then we go back to the 2016 polls, which were wrong about Hillary Clinton. They were right about her getting popular vote, but that's not how we do it. Exactly. And and uh, and one thing I think Americans have really learned is the limitations to polling, that they are not predictive, that they only capture not only the mood of the country, but, uh, but the mood of people who say that they're going to vote and think that they're going to vote in a particular way. And all of those things might change. A lot of people are going to be looking to see if those youth voters, in fact, do turn out. They, they have been pledging that they intend to do so, but we know notoriously that they don't, uh, that they don't really go to the polls in the same rates as uh, say senior citizens, and when you're talking about a hypothetical, um, it's it's 
there's a lot of people who may say that they're voting as a, as a referendum on the president, but the president isn't on the ballot. And there are a lot of people who will say that they might not like or might like uh, what they see coming out of the White House. But when it comes to their individual Congress member or senator um, or, you know, or, or governor or even much further down the ballot when you start talking about uh, state house races, that, that they care less about that party label and they care more about the individual. So saying that, you're, that you favor House candidates generically to be Republican or Democrat doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be enough for Democrats to pull uh, out the win in the House uh, that we expect to see tomorrow. Lana Zach, great stuff. Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah, it looks like Democrats need a net gain of 23 seats. They're favored to pick up 18 Republican seats. Republicans are favored to pick up two Democratic seats. So Democrats would need only seven of the 30 seats that are considered toss-ups. I mean, that's the, that sounds doable, but that's a hell of a lot of toss-ups. It is a lot, um, which is why I think this is one of the one of the least predictable midterms that we've seen in a while, because there are so many that are in that category of toss-up. Um, I I'm curious to see how all of the turnout goes. I mean, I had seen uh, that in Texas, for example. Early voting in 2016, they had, you know, one and a half million votes in before Election Day. And that in this midterm, they have about four and a half million already, which is a crazy. And that doesn't necessarily translate into three times more people voting because, you know, voting by mail is a lot more convenient for a lot of people now. So I'm just curious by, you know, hopefully by tomorrow night and Wednesday, we talk about record turnout because I think record turnout. Helps everyone. I wonder if the president's going to talk at all about the various news networks pulling a, an immigration ad that he put out. He did already. Oh, he did. Tell me what. Well, let's wait for it. We'll do it after the break. I was wondering if he was going to respond to this. Uh, NBC, Fox News saying they're no longer going to air this immigration ad. We'll hear his response when we come back. Gary and Channel will continue. the uh, top of the hour. Rebecca Jarvis is going to join us. Talk Market Monday stuff. Uh, Lowe's, the latest company to uh, announce a closure of several dozen stores, including some here in Southern California. Uh, But we are in the middle of Swamp Watch talking about the midterms tomorrow. Modified schedule to remind you of. Uh, After our show, things start getting wacky. Mo Kelly and John Thomas are going to come in from 2 until 4 tomorrow. And then John and Ken will start their show at 4 o'clock. Throw an extra hour onto the back of that. So John and Ken from 4 to 9 tomorrow. And Conway and crew will go from 9 p.m. to midnight. Well, NBC and Fox News said on Monday they would no longer air an immigration ad that the president put out. It has been widely seen as racially divisive. Uh, Spokesman for NBC's ad sales department saying after further review, we recognize the insensitive nature of the ad and have decided to cease airing it across our properties as soon as possible. Facebook blocked the ad from being promoted. Uh, NBC aired the commercial during Sunday Night Football, and uh, that got a lot of criticism, including from some NBC stars like Deborah Messing from Will & Grace, saying, I want you to know that I'm ashamed that my network aired this disgusting racist ad. It's the antithesis of everything I personally believe in and what I believe our show is all about. Is this the ad where the guy was laughing after killing cops? 
Mm-hmm. That's the one. The, That's the one from he's the guy from uh, Northern California, right? Killed the I think it was a Sacramento County Sheriff and a Placer County Sheriff's deputy. He was an uh, undocumented immigrant convicted of the murder of two law enforcement officials. And critics said it was aimed at stirring up anger, anger towards immigrants before Election Day. Amy King, what was the response? Where- well, of course, reporters asked him about it. And I have just a really quick sam- uh, soundbite because they said, well, what did you think about the ads? A lot of things are offensive. Your questions are offensive a lot of times. So, you know. That was his response. (laughs) You're offensive. You're out of order. (laughs) Your questions are offensive. That's a. I thought it was going to be a little more nuanced. I know you are, but so. But what am I? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) um, There's a lot of money at play now uh, in in all of these different campaigns, and I realized over this weekend that I live in the 25th district where Katie Hill is going up against Steve Knight, and it is considered one of the most expensive congressional elections in U.S. history because uh, one of the reasons I realize it is because we get probably eight or ten pieces of mail dealing just with that race between Steve Knight and Katie Hill every single day. That's not counting phone calls. That's not counting robocalls, emails, Internet banner ads, any. It's just the mailers that we get. And it's amazing to me that people still – produce mailers because all you do is throw them away do you ever sit there and read through a mailer when you see that there's a campaign ad i think it's all for name recognition if you've got a postcard size mailer and in big block letter letters it says katie hill you know and and then you get like 17 of them over the course of uh a year or something, you're going to have that name recognition. And, and I think some people vote on that way. I suppose, but it's just, it's frustrating. They're talking about um, $26 million in spending by candidates and outside groups since January 2017. That is the highest in the 10 priciest house races. So, oh, by the way, I thought this as well. In 1994, Diane Feinstein runs for re-election against Michael Huffington. You remember that? I'm sorry. That was... That was the most expensive non-presidential what campaign in history, 1994. Okay. Quote a guess on how much money was spent in that campaign. Minuscule to what's being spent. $44 million, yeah. And people lost their flipping minds because it was the most expensive non-presidential campaign in history. Today, today, in Florida, the campaign for Senate, Republican Rick Scott against uh, the incumbent Democrat Bill Nelson. A hundred and sixty million dollars for a Senate campaign. That's disgusting. That's so gross. That's where we are. That's that's how things are going. I am all and, for capping that. I, I'm all for not giving money to campaigns. Yeah, that too. Like if you're if you're a good candidate, I trust myself to read up on the candidates and know what their positions are, and et cetera. So I don't feel like their advertisements are going to sway me one way or the other. But all right, coming up next, there is a change at that Wendy's drive through window. There is? Yes. You don't know about it? I haven't seen it yet. No. Tell you all about it. Also, boycott Amazon trending in certain areas of the world. We'll tell you why. And we've got some bad news for Lowe's. It's all coming up when we return to Market Monday here on Gary and Shannon. Ain't it funny how life Shannon, 
Well, it looks like Ivanka has hit the campaign trail. Joining her father in this campaign blitz before the midterms tomorrow. She rarely makes campaign appearances, but she went to the uh, Cleveland rally on Monday. The president uh, eh, went after the Me Too movement as he introduced his daughter, saying, you're not allowed to use the word beautiful anymore when you talk about women. It's politically incorrect. (laughs) He said that. He said, I'm never going to say another woman is beautiful ever again. (laughs) It's funny. Uh, he described the Democratic opponent there for the governor's race as a bad person who has hurt a lot of people. Okay. Uh, uh, he's going to be in Missouri, I think, later as well. They've already got the crowds that are getting ready for his uh, his stop in Missouri. Um, at the bottom of the hour, our friend Jason Nathanson is going to join us. We're going to talk about a couple of things, including that Mac Miller story. Uh, we told you about how he died of an accidental overdose. So we kind of now know what was in that, uh, uh, as Shannon called it, the cornucopia of death for him. I think that was the term. I don't think used. I said cornucopia of death. Cornucopia of drugs. Okay. That led to his death. Okay. Hey, it's time fair. for Market That's Monday. Fair. Yeah, let's move on. It's Market Monday on Gary and Shannon. Because everyone loves money. And alliteration sounds great on the radio. Oh, Rebecca Jarvis, our friend and your financial guru. Watching the markets, watching the business industry in this country. Her finger on the pulse. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We've missed you terribly. I know. I've missed you guys as well. I've been out on so many shoots, but I'm back. Well, we're glad to have you back. I love that attitude as well. So how, did, how, how did things go today with the markets? So Dow closed up almost 200 points, uh, just a little bit off the highs, but but strong for the day. Some of the laggards, Apple was a big laggard, but overall uh, there were a handful of companies that were higher. The energy space was a little bit stronger uh chevron for example stronger but apple like i said they got a downgrade um, from rosenblatt securities and there's this now concern about lower iphone sales last week when apple reported earnings they said they're not going to break things down into units going forward that spooked the market and there really is it's not just an apple story there has been now and we've talked about this um in in previous weeks there has been this change in the tech sector. There has been a change in how investors have viewed technology. It used to be the high flyer. It started out the year on the best footing, and now technology has been one of the weaker elements of the market. Hey, what's going on with Lowe's? Saw a bunch of stores closing. Yes. So Lowe's is trying to optimize the business. Like so many companies with a big physical footprint, they are looking at areas that are underperforming, and they say that they will close 20 stores in the U.S. next year. A number of those stores in California, um, one in Irvine, one in South San Francisco, one in San Jose, one in Aliso Viejo. Um, But, like, when you look at these stores, there's a handful in New York, too, by the way, here in New York City, one on Broadway, um, not far from where I am right now. But ultimately, um, this is a company that is looking at the business saying, how much of a physical footprint do we need? Space is expensive. Lowe's obviously takes up a fair amount of space when they move into a community, and they want those stores where they still have a physical footprint to be top performers, and they're they are uh, they're downsizing as a result for the ones that aren't the top performers. Would, would they would the next chapter of Lowe's be sort of an Amazon for the home improvement set? Well, there's certainly that element. I mean, really, if 
you look at every single retail company, there has to be something of a, for you know, the way you put it, an Amazon strategy. There has to be that digital strategy of how are we going to make sure that our customers can be served both in a physical location, but also better in a digital capacity. And that's, I mean, that's something you're going to see a lot this holiday season. So many companies have really upped their digital game in the last two, three years in particular. Uh, Walmart especially has done that. Target has done that. Um, and I think from a shopping standpoint, especially as we enter the holiday retail season, you will see uh, more options now in a digital world um, around convenience, around free shipping, um, around the ability to go and buy something in, or rather buy something online and then pick it up in store. A lot of companies are now trying to convert their store locations to also be warehouse locations. So if you do purchase something from the site, they can get it to you quickly. So it looks like more senior citizens are turning up at fast food restaurants and it's because <laughs> restaurants are recruiting them? Is this your uh, is this your observation, Shannon, from all of your, your fast food? Well, uh, I'm not going to tip my hand too much. Let's just say I do enjoy the crispy chicken sandwich at Wendy's. Oh, yeah, definitely. I like it spicy. That's oh, me too, yeah. So restaurants are recruiting in senior centers and churches now. And so there basically there there is in the restaurant space, in the fast food space, they are prioritizing the senior citizen workers over the young workers and they're placing one ads on websites like ARP because they say that the older workers have the soft skills that they're looking for. They're looking for that friendly demeanor, the punctuality, and they say that in some cases the younger cohorts lack those skills. And also they're not looking to be the manager. So they show up and they're really happy to do uh, the job that they've been hired to do. Five days into the job, they're not asking for a promotion and a raise. And it's it's a good deal for them. I mean, they have that experience, perhaps, that you would have to train a 16 or 17-year-old, and somebody who's 58 or 68 is already going to have a lot of that interpersonal training that, you you know, just it would not exist in a 17-year-old. Sure. Well, and, and it's interesting because you could say, well, some of the technology that's inside these restaurants is something that if you are potentially, if you're an older worker, you might have to learn some of the technology. If you're a younger worker, you might be more accustomed to the technology, possibly. But uh, what, what I hear from a lot of recruiters is that technology has, uh, you know, the, the amount of screen time that young employees have and are accustomed to having keeps them from having some of those interpersonal skills that an older worker has developed throughout the course of their career because they haven't been so, uh, you know, they didn't grow up with the phone in their hands. They grew up actually speaking to somebody face-to-face. That's weird. It is weird. Speaking to somebody (laughs) face-to-face. This is our world. (laughs) Uh, Rebecca, can you hang on? i got some more questions about food. It would be my absolute pleasure. Oh, that's so... (laughs) You don't have to say it like that. You don't have to oversell it. And I love you guys. Oh, stop. <laughs> Applebee's in the news. They're betting on what you want to eat, and they are correct. We'll talk about it with Rebecca. Also, what what the hell is this boycott Amazon all about? We'll mm. get into that as well. Also, what the hell is this $1,000 doing here? Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword CASH to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's CASH to 200-200. Got to answer that phone because if you win, you'll be notified by phone. So your next chance to win is next hour between 205 and 220 on the John and Ken Show. A chance to win 1000 bucks an hour Monday through Friday. 
from Jonesy and Wake Up Call at 5 in the morning all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show, plus some times over the weekend that you got to be listening as well for more chances to win $1,000. All I needed was to hear the truth. I'm lying naked and my brain has lost its truth. I hid away inside a lonely room. Never as lonely as when I'm alone with you. Gary and Shannon. Monday, November 5th. Tomorrow, of course, Election Day. A reminder, a modified schedule. Starting after our show, we're going to be regular 10 to 2. Mo Kelly and John Thomas from 2 until 4. Uh, getting some of the very first returns from the East Coast. Then John and Ken coming in 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. tomorrow. And then Conway, 9 p.m. to midnight to catch all of the stuff including the California results from our polls. We are talking to Rebecca Jarvis for Market Mondays, and it looks like Applebee's is betting on all of the stress eaters in this country. <laughs> what do you know? Yeah, $2 Bud Light, Dollaritas, Dollar Zombies, they're good for the business of Applebee's. Their sales are up 7.7% in the third quarter. That is a 14-year record. And um, the business figured out that Ultimately, what people want, what their core customer wants, is comfort food. And they got away from that for a while. They were trying to go after the more health-conscious customers, selling seared and grilled items. And they realized that rather than go after customers that they don't have and then scare away the ones that do loyal are loyal to them, they should go after the ones that are loyal to them and take and keep their eye on that core guest, which I recognize as a business, it's always complicated. You want to grow your pie. You want to get more people in the tent. But at the same time, if doing that drives away your core customer, it can be a problem for the business, and Applebee's has figured it out that uh, people like those comfort foods. It's interesting to me that that mentality because if I'm gonna if I'm gonna eat pizza if I have a craving for pizza yeah I would so much rather go out and eat pizza than try to make it myself if I'm gonna eat a healthy food I would rather make it myself than pay somebody else to make it sure so, yeah so the comfort food thing makes perfect sense to me that they that that's that's the way people would want to go if they're gonna go eat out. Yeah, I, I feel actually my friends and I were at a dinner over the weekend at, at a friend's house, and we were having this conversation about um, eating healthy versus not. And everybody at the table agreed, rather than doing the, you know, weird calorie cut, you don't even know what's in it, is it plastic, is it real, eat that whatever the real thing is, eat it in moderation. Everyone was in agreement that that's the way that they would choose to do it, that yeah. they'd rather have like a bite of real ice cream than you know, a container of something that's fake. But, uh, but <laughs> not, there are plenty of people who, who like the opposite, who, who love to have, like, their tub of whatever that is. <laughs> You're making it sound so appealing. <laughs> I want a tub of that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, and then Amazon. This, this story about Amazon, there's a couple of different stories that we've yeah. seen about them. But, there's um, a lot of Amazon today, by well, the way. Boycott Amazon is something that's trending in, in Saudi Arabia specifically. Right, because they're unhappy with the Washington Post coverage of the killing of the journalists. And they have now been taking aim at Jeff Bezos, his business interests in the Middle East. Because here's the thing, Jeff Bezos owns Amazon and he owns the Washington Post. So because of the way that the Washington Post has covered 
the killing of the journalist Khashoggi. They are now in Saudi Arabia. Some are saying, all right, we're going to uh, we're going to boycott Amazon because he owns both companies and we're going to stick them where it hurts. But then there's uh, some who also have acknowledged, but wait a minute, uh, Bezos also has a stake in Twitter. So are we supposed to boycott Twitter as well? It can, it's, boycotts can be, I, I'm sure, very confusing once you start looking into this. Look, I, I don't think that Amazon is going to take this very seriously. I think. Well, they shouldn't. I mean, one. Yeah. <laughs> it, Freedom it, of the press. Yeah, and also Amazon can can withstand a boycott from yeah. Saudi Arabia. I, Amazon could sure. buy Saudi Arabia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, maybe I don't know about. <laughs> they put a. How about this? They put a healthy down payment on Saudi Arabia. Indeed, okay. absolutely, and I do. I do think that. Ultimately, um, in order for something like Jeff Bezos to own Amazon and The Washington Post and to make it work, if if he were to treat his business interests openly like that as something that would drive choices on The Washington Post, that would com- fundamentally undermine The Washington Post and people would no longer want to read it and consume it. So that would be a big problem for the business, I would say, of both things. Um, so what is this free shipping all about for the holidays with Amazon? Free shipping is the battleground this year. The, the retailers have cut costs as much as they possibly can, and convenience and shipping now are where all these retailers are going. So Amazon just today rolled out this new free shipping where you don't need a Prime membership. You don't need a minimum purchase. You can go on Amazon. They have millions of items right now that you could purchase on Amazon and have shipped to you by Christmas. Um, I, I mean, it would get there at this point if you're shopping today, hopefully a long time before Christmas. But they're they're competing on this area because earlier this – well, actually, it was in October. Target was really out in front of this. They rolled out free two-day shipping, no minimum purchase. Walmart has free shipping, but you need a minimum purchase of $35. The bottom line here is free shipping is – something you should expect this holiday season from many, many, especially the big retailers. But for the big retailers, it is costing them a fortune. Um, Last year, Amazon spent $21.7 billion, $21.7 billion on shipping. Yeah, but, I mean, they made 47 bazillion. Absolutely, they did. I'm not saying that that's hurting them. Oh, okay. I, 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 I thought you were going to like, uh, next Next thing you were going to say is, so I got a card for Jeff Bezos that's a get well card. I hope you guys would sign it for me. How dare you? <laughs> um, no. What I am suggesting is this, it is a mega, mega burden that all of these retailers, not just Amazon, but like if they're spending $21.7 billion, then Target is spending a lot. Walmart spending, they're all spending a huge amount of money on shipping. It is a very, to me, that's an interesting business question for all of these companies. And I think what part of how they're, some of them are choosing to resolve it is they are now trying to build out warehouses so that they can have that warehouse closer to their customer so that the shipping costs will be less of a burden over time as more and more customers expect that shipping would be free. I also think from the Amazon standpoint, from an Amazon customer, and I'm curious to know what people out there think, if you spent $119 on your Amazon membership to be a member of Prime, how do you feel about this? Because they're they're getting something in the deal. Amazon Prime customers will now get, um, a lot of them will get free same-day shipping. But, you know, 
I think a lot of people would say that the value of their Amazon Prime membership comes to this idea that you get free shipping. Well, now if you can go on Amazon and get free shipping, even if you're not a Prime customer, is that Prime membership is valuable to you. Rebecca, what's coming up on No Limits? So we have the COO of Airbnb, Belinda Johnson, um, joining me. And she has a really interesting path. She started out in law, started out in Texas, got involved in Mark Cuban's early company, Broadcast.com, and learned all about the tech business from there. And she's got a great story. She's a really interesting person. So definitely want to tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. Maybe it's Apple uh, Hopefully you know how to find a podcast on your phone at this point. Check out the No Limits with Rebecca Jarvis podcast. And if not, you're, you can't listen to the show. If you if yeah. not, look at my Twitter. I tweet about it like <laughs> 300 times a day. Well, we'll make sure we throw a link up there to make it easy for people as well. Rebecca, thank you once again. And now I'm hungry. Thanks, yes. <laughs> Bye, guys. Comfort Bye. food. All right, coming back, we're going to talk with Jason Nathanson about a couple of different stories. Did you, I uh, hope he knows about this, the Spice Girls reuniting? Yeah, but without Posh Spice. Oh, so is case. it really a reunion? Yes. Gary and Shanna will continue. I'm a match. She kerosene. You know she gonna burn down everything. She an arsonist in a pastime. And I've been burned for the last time. Time, time, time. Whoa. I've been burned for the last time. Gary and Shannon. Big uh, day tomorrow, midterm elections, of course. We're going to have some special coverage. Each of the shows, obviously, will be talking about it tomorrow and the results on Wednesday. But tomorrow, after our show, when we get into election afternoon, Mo Kelly and John Thomas are going to do a couple of hours from 2 until 4. John, of course, was the one providing us with all the great polling information. We'll see how those pan out. Uh, John and Ken coming up between 4 o'clock and 9 o'clock tomorrow. And then Conway from 9 to midnight to, to put a pin on it. Pin in it. Well, pin in it. Yeah, pin pin in it. Did you just start slurring? Yeah, but you're it's like late. Eh, very late. It's it's one thirty seven Pacific time. Oh, is it the daylight saving time that you're Pacific having a hard time, time okay. adjusting to? We're not on that anymore. That's. It's oh the first gosh. day back. Though. Stop. All right. Jason Nathanson joins us. He is our ABC News entertainment correspondent, and there's a hell of a lot of entertainment news happening today. Also, Gary missed you, Jason. He said in the office this morning, we haven't talked to Jason in so long. Aw. So. That's nice. Did I say it like that? Yes. I think he did. Oh. Well, Jason, we missed you. I appreciate that. I miss you guys, too. Uh, okay. We talked a little bit earlier about the whole Pete Davidson thing, and what started him down the wrong track was breaking up with Ariana Grande, and what precipitated the breakup, at least in our version of the story, was the death of Ariana Grande's uh, ex-boyfriend, Mac Miller. Uh, yeah. I mean, that uh, seems to be the timing, if you're if you're looking for, for clues. The timing certainly was after he died. That was September 7th. Uh, and she kind of shut down, went into hiding, and they broke up pretty soon after that. So, you know, it would seem that that was weighing on her mind heavily or, you know, who knows exactly what's going on with people. But it had something probably to do with it. Uh, talk about the uh, the autopsy report on Mac. What what did they find? Right. So we just got that today from the coroner's office, and they said that it was, I mean, pretty much what they knew, but we get the specifics now that it was mixed drug toxicity is what killed him. He was found 
in his house by his assistant. I think it was around 1130 uh, in his Studio City home. The assistant usually went to check on him and found that he had he was he was basically dead at that point. I think they tried to do a little bit of CPR, but the assistant said that he was blue at that point, and uh, they didn't even transport him because he had, he had already died. And they said that it was a mix of cocaine, fentanyl, and ethanol, which would mean alcohol. So the three of those in combination is what killed him. And they said that they found a rolled-up $20 bill in one of his pockets with some white substance on it, a baggie with some white substance on it, and various pills throughout the house, uh, and also an empty bottle of alcohol. Uh, so I don't know whether the combination of the fentanyl, I don't know if that came from a pill that he had ingested. Maybe it, the cocaine was laced with some fentanyl, which would be a possibility. Uh, so not, not clear exactly how th- all three got into a system. But the three were there. So this Queen movie, the Freddie Mercury movie, critics seem to have a hard time with it, but people love it. Uh, huge box office this weekend. Yeah, and I was one of those that had a tough time with it as well. Uh, it was I, I did not think it did justice to Queen or Freddie Mercury or the story. But as I saw on my social media pages, Facebook uh, post from Michelle Cube, who absolutely loved it. <laughs> People loved it. People loved the movie. Fans of Queen loved the movie. Uh, So they didn't really care uh, that things had been changed, things were wrong, um, that maybe it didn't give the story exactly what it needed. Uh, But 50 million bucks, 51 million actually at the box office is a huge opening. That's the second best for a music-based biopic since uh, the uh, Straight Outta Compton came out in 2015. That was the top opening for a music-based one. And now this is second behind that. So great box office, even though it was a plague production and critics didn't seem to like it. Please tell me that the Spice Girls reunion is going to happen. It is. That's the same oh. voice you used when you talked about how much you miss Jason. Miss Jason so yeah. much. <laughs> much miss the Spice Girls as well? Yes. Well, I mean, good news, bad news here. So you're getting a Spice Girls reunion. Okay. But no posh. Oh, posh. So you're getting four of the five spices. Uh, she has business commitments that she says will keep her from it. But in the press release, she did say that she was looking forward to it. It was a big part of my life. I wish them well as they go back on tour. I know they'll put on an amazing show, and fans will, will dig it. And also, I don't know, Gary, if you're going to get to see it here, because right now it's just six shows in the U.K. It's a stadium tour. He'll travel for Road that. trip. Yeah. Will you, will you go? Okay, uh, so let's fire up the KFI jet, and we can all go over. Okay, I, I just I find it hard to believe she's holding out for more money. I I think that's clear. You think that's what it is? You I think, think so. Do you think she'll join? Because it's not till next June, so there is plenty of time that they could announce that she's going to be a part of it. And I can't imagine that they're going to do this. It's going to go well. It's going to sell out everything, and then they're probably going to come here. Well, I would also say when you and I start our concert promotion business, this is the way we do it, is we say we've got four of the five, and maybe we get the fifth. So that in, say, April or May, when ticket sales are lagging, we go, guess what we just did? We got the posh. I think they're going to sell out. I think they're going to sell out without her, and they missed opportunity to to break in some more dough. Hey, they can always add a couple of shows. That is true. That is very true. That's why you're the brains behind our concert promoting business. That's why you're the beef. I'm I'm watching a whole lot of 1997. (laughs) Jason, Uh, (laughs) thank you. So much fun. Thank you, guys. Jason Nathan's in there. With uh, ABC. All right, uh, we come back. I don't know if you saw this freak out today. Something 
something happened on television this morning that was a that was hard to look at. Michael Irvin lost his freaking mind. I love it. Like I love seeing passion in my broadcasters when we're talking about something like the NFL. I love to see that they care. Yeah, Michael that- Irvin is not short on caring about the Cowboys. And it, people were eating it up with a spoon in Dallas today. That's Big like, Monday night football game tonight. Dallas Titans, are they moving in the right direction? Is the season salvageable? And he brought it. He did sweat too much. There's that's a like glandular saying you issue. Like, you like uh, salt on your food. And then what Michael Irvin did was turn the salt shaker over and the top came off and all of the salt came out. Yeah, then you just... Uh, you just move a little bit of salt around and you still <laughs> eat that eat savory it, treat. We'll get into it. <laughs> Gary Jenner will continue. Gary and Shannon. Wrapping up the show today, a reminder that we have a modified schedule tomorrow after 2 o'clock. Uh, Handle's regular tomorrow. We're regular tomorrow for Election Day. Uh, Mo Kelly and John Thomas come in for a couple of special hours, 2 o'clock until 4 o'clock tomorrow. John and Ken picking up some of the East Coast um, ballot uh, information when they are on from 4 o'clock until 9 o'clock, some of the returns from the East Coast. And then Conway picks things up from 9 o'clock and goes until midnight. That's the schedule now. We might see if anything has to change and they go overnight. The president urging Republicans to turn out for the midterms in order to, quoting here, keep his political movement going. He was in Cleveland today. He compared his upset victory of 2016 then to Republicans defying the polls now and potentially keeping both houses of Congress. He's set to do rallies in Indiana and Missouri later today. Federal agencies say they haven't seen any threats to state election systems so far. They're working closely with state and local election officials, more so than they did two years ago. They say that the machines are more secure in the systems as well. Big Monday Night Football game tonight, I guess if you're in Texas, because it's the Cowboys. They're hosting the uh, Tennessee Titans. Both of the teams are three and four. Cowboys have been kind of a question mark. Uh, For a couple years now. They, uh, the Titans, by the way, when they were off to a good start of the season, people are talking about the Titans in the Super Bowl, and then they drop some. Marcus Mariota is wildly inconsistent, but the Cowboys could be legit. I mean, we just don't know what they're going to do this season. So this is a big game for them at home tonight. Because part of it, the statistics show that neither team has made the playoffs with a three and five or worse start. So if whoever loses tonight will have that three and five record. Okay. So that being said, uh, Michael Irvin, longtime Dallas Cowboy now speaks on behalf of the team, apparently. And he's one of these guys who talks about the absolute domination of a team, even though they haven't been that great for a long time. Michael Irvin is a Cowboys cheerleader. He always has been. But this morning, he got riled up. Now, to be fair, this broadcast is in front of hundreds of Dallas Cowboys raving fans. So she's feeding off that crowd. He's feeding off that noise. And... And and he's feeding off of Stephen A. Smith, who knows full well that when he pushes sure. the right buttons, Michael Irvin's going to lose his mind. Get ready for a lot of yelling. Exhibit A. Right up there with the Patriots and the Steelers. So all these other teams are talking about, they don't have 
it's hold, meaning. Hold, hold, hold. They deserve, let me ask you this. No, we're talking about number of champions. Okay. We're still up there right now. I asked you a question. I asked you a question. That was 500 years ago. Let's go into history. Don't just go to your history. Let's go to the history. Uh, uh, part he's of it standing is, up. Yeah, he's he's doing like the Cam Newton jersey thing. He's like, let's go into our history, and you can start to see the glistening on the forehead. This, the, the eyes too. I have it paused right here. This video. The eyes. By the way, does Michael Irvin eat butter? Because holy cow, he's about three times as thick as he used to be. You know, I interviewed him last year, and he is built like a, a like a brickout house. He really is, and I never remembered him being that no, big as a because he wasn't. Yeah, he was never that big. Now um, I fast forward just a little bit. Stephen A. Smith is asking him uh, whether or not Dak Prescott, the guy who came out and had an amazing rookie year when he took over, um, when he took over in Dallas, if Dak Prescott is the guy who is going to lead them to the playoffs or back to the playoffs. Uh, and then Michael Irvin loses his head again. Well, I remember the Cowboys and Jimmy Johnson yeah, yeah. came on board to coach this team. Yeah. And it's true that Jimmy Johnson went to you and you sat up there and said, if the dawn of a new day is imminent, we need to get rid of this, this, and this. So what happened to that philosophy now? Y'all won two playoff games in 25 years, and you're going to sit up here, stick it up your chest, talk about it's the dawn of a new day? Y'all ain't nothing, okay? You ain't been nothing. Last Got a point. Started. Go act like they the Lord. You are a champion walking around with rings, but these boys they won in 23 years. Right. And you sitting here representing them. You should be ashamed of yourself. Funny. You should be ashamed of yourself. It's funny. He starts yourself. calling out the fans. It's nice that he mentioned the number 23. I love the number 23 because Sweating. that's how old Ezekiel Elliott is. He's 23. Amari uh, uh, Cooper, 24, and Dak, 25. You know what that says? <laughs> what is it? You it got doesn't 10 say good anything. years, man. <laughs> 10 good years starting the dawn of the day. This Wait, day. Time out, Michael. Good years. We, know, about we know Ezekiel Elliott is a yeah. great The sweat play. is pouring uh, just, off of him. And that that's after somebody had come from the studio staff. Like the, the, the stagehand had yeah. come by with a towel and dabbed his forehead. So was, the appearance, the broadcast blew up Twitter, like Michael Irvin has lost his damn mind. That's just Michael Irvin, though. Yeah. Aside from the glandular issue, it's a it's a Monday morning, right? I mean, I I, I kind of was like that this morning, eating breakfast at the uh, table. My wife had to dab the sweat off of my forehead because she was arguing with me about the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. She was saying the same thing that Stephen right. A. Smith was. She's like, the Cowboys ain't seen the playoffs but two times in the last yeah. twenty three. I've years. seen her blow up like that. Yeah, she gets she gets. She gets feisty about those Titans, too. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. John and Ken up next. Uh, Stay dry, everybody. Be sure to be with us next time for further adventures of Gary and Shannon.